0: Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations with your host, James McLean.
1: Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLean, and this is the fourth in a series of podcasts that we've been doing on social media, and this one is completely different. This episode, uh, we're going to bring in five former, uh, graduates of our, um, Zigger Youth Certification Program that have come through our program at different stages over the past five years. uh, And they have different aspects that they're going to bring to and different uh, viewpoints they're going to bring to social media. So we're just going to have a roundtable discussion where we're going to talk about some of the issues of social media, some of their experiences with social media and and maybe come up with some solutions or maybe some suggestions This is really for you to hear it from the end user about how social media is affecting their lives, how they perceive it affecting their peers' lives, and what they would like to see as a solution. So let's bring in our friends right now. So let's go ahead and start and introduce yourself. Tell us your name and what state you're from. Hey, um,
2: I'm Sarah Beth McLam, and I'm from North Carolina.
3: I'm Abby Durheim, and I live in Nebraska.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Gunnar Bell and I'm from Texas.
5: Hey, everybody. My name is Sarah Thomas, and I'm from North Carolina.
0: Hey, guys. My name is Leif, and I'm from Minnesota. All
1: right, guys. Thank
5: you guys for all
1: being here. You're from all over the country, and this is going to be fun, and I, I really appreciate you guys being willing to do this. So, one of the things that I thought we would start off with is I just want to ask you uh, to give a personal standpoint of what is your personal experiences with social media? Because you guys are all part of Generation Z. You're all a part of Generation Z, the generation that really has grown up not knowing a time when there was not some kind of social media platform. Do you guys remember what the very first social technically, social media platform that was widespread use was? Anybody? Anybody Myspace. Myspace, right. And it got run out of business by who? Facebook. Facebook. Well, I guess Myspace is still out there, but, you know, Facebook really took over. And We're talking about the early part um, of this century, you know, 15, 20 years ago in that frame point. So you guys are not going to remember a time with it. So, I want to hear from you guys. What Somebody speak up and tell me what your personal experience is with social media and how you view it. Um, I can go so first. Have, go ahead. <laughs>
4: okay. So go ahead, Gunnar. I have grown up always um, having social media. My parents always had it when um, I was younger. And so moving into middle school, when I got my first phone, I wasn't allowed to have social media until – probably about the seventh or eighth grade. And that was when I had Instagram and Snapchat. And so ever since middle school, I've had it throughout high school. It's evolved and gotten bigger and it's almost become... Um, a way of life in a sense and I've been put in various positions. Um, Right now I'm a Texas FFA state officer and so we use social media for all kinds of things throughout the year of service and making sure we're sending out advertisements and different posts on all kinds of platforms through social media and so I'm very involved with social media and it's something that I use daily.
5: I just wanted to chime in a little bit because since I'm like the oldest of the group um, and I have an older brother. Second
1: oldest, I want to point out, second oldest.
5: That's a good point. (laughs) Um, But I kind of have like a, a, a weird different experience growing up with social media because my brother is eight years older than I am. And so like, I remember... Growing up and seeing his MySpace, and I was like, wow, oh, that's really cool. And then it kind of came time for my age group to have a MySpace, but it was already a downfall by then. But it's also kind of weird because the first internet that we had at my house was actually still dial up internet because, you know, rural broadband. And, you know, as time progressed on, um, I've seen apps go through the highs and lows. Like I had Vine when it was cool. Um, Snapchat was very different for sure. Um, And now I'm like, we're on TikTok and stuff. And honestly, some of the stuff that's on TikTok, I'm like, wow, I really, I'm glad I didn't see that kind of stuff when I was 15. Um, So I think I've been kind of lucky to see it shift over time. Yeah.
2: Um, well Gunnar I'll say my 7th grade self is very jealous of you because um, that's when Instagram became like pretty popular was in 7th grade and I wanted one so bad because all my friends had phones and I didn't and I was like man they're so cool they get to post pictures and the selfies with the duck face and the peace sign and I was like I, I wish that was me um, and we used, they used to talk about vines and all that and I wanted it so bad um, but I got social media in the ninth grade um, when when I got my first phone and um I've been on it ever since I grade I went through I don't know if y'all ever experienced the cleanses where everyone would just like delete it all and then add it back secretively and be like I'm going off of social media I'm done and then add it back and then they're back on so um I've had it pretty consistently I'd say I did like two-day cleanses here and there um since the ninth grade um but i mean i'm on instagram snapchat facebook um i have tiktok now so that's super fun i got tired of hearing all my students talking about tiktoks and me not knowing what it was because they seemed funny um but yeah
0: (laughs) well sarah beth similar to you i've been on a cleanse and i'm still on it as of a year so (laughs) Uh, you know, similar to you, Sarah Thomas, uh, we I grew up knowing about the social medias as they came out. I remember when Snapchat first came out. I remember when Instagram came out. And unlike Sarah Beth, I had free access. I lied about my age. I think it said, check you if you're 13. And a little 11 year old lady was like, heck yeah, I'm 13. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting time learning about these uh, social medias because I didn't ask my parents if I could be part of it. I just kind of did it because in my mind, it was just another app. How is that any different than uh, Flappy Birds where you click the app and the bird goes up and down? Um, and so for me, it was very interesting to grow up in that time, not really having that uh, supervisor, or that person who cared about my experience on this and cared about uh, how I was doing it what was interesting to see is that I grew up and got more involved with different groups, how I had to utilize that. And I realized, slowly realized like, wow, this is not something I want to be a part of. And which is why I'm currently on my one year cleanse and going on strong. Now I do got to say, I still have a Facebook, but the only reason why I have a Facebook is because my grandma checks in on me on Facebook. So <laughs> <you>. <laughs> ladies,
3: some days I wish that I was on a cleanse from social media. I feel like it as we'll talk about throughout this conversation social media kind of consumes a big portion of my life so not only do i have like my personal social media accounts um where like Sarah Beth, it was very monitored and i remember having to like put my phone up at night because my parents would be like abby you'll spend all night scrolling and little do they know that 23 year old abby will definitely scroll tiktok for a very long time um but that whole kind of debacle of how do you manage personal social media but now as i am getting a master's and have degrees in communications social media is my job i manage our departmental social media i have a photography business where my main source of advertisement is social media and portraying the images that i'm taking and so social i spend a lot of time on social media but i also have learned in a recent conversation with the National 4-H Council Young Alumni Advisory Council, that, in which I am the oldest member, all of these other Gen Zers are talking about these new forms of social media that I don't even know exist, like Be Real and t- Twitch, maybe, or I don't even know. Like they started talking, and I felt incredibly old. So now I feel like now that it's juxtaposed, where I thought I was in in the in, but now I'm like on the out. So, I don't know. Social media, social media is, has a, I have a love-hate relationship with it. and I, I feel like I always will.
1: I think that's probably true of everybody. I like the way that it ended, that you have a love-hate relationship with it. And it, people know about the positives and negatives. Listen to this stat here that I'm going to share with you guys. A plurality of teens. This was a, a recent survey. 45% think that social media does not impact them positively or negatively. So 45% of the teenagers that were that were surveyed said, "Ah, oh, it doesn't affect me either way. And around 31% of those that were interviewed or, or surveyed says that they see social media as a positive influence. So let's add those numbers together. We got 76% of teenagers that are saying social media either is not a positive impact or a negative impact or it is good for me. It doesn't affect me at all, or it's good for me. What do you guys think about that? I mean, let's let's. What do you think is? What do you think about that? What do you guys think about it? Is that is that true? Are people being blind? What what's going on here?
3: That scares me, James. That statistic actually scares me. Not necessarily even the, the amount of people that say it has a positive impact, but the the amount of people that say it has no impact on you. How many? From a sheer like numbers and business perspective, how many businesses or cities or tourist destinations or whatever have things that are literally dedicated just for it to look Instagrammable? And the fact that Instagrammable is even a word, like from that right there, society as a whole has been so incredibly impacted by social media because it's all about making your highlight reel of life look great. And while We have, I think, come off of that, at least to a degree, knowing that the world around us isn't just a highlight reel and that it's more than just social media. We still, as individuals, are striving to make sure that our pictures look great, that our grids are cohesive, that we're doing, like, people have bachelorette parties now that literally are 100% dedicated to taking Instagram pictures because they just want to look cool and it's how they fit in. But those opportunities are a hundred percent revolving around social media.
5: Uh, um, (laughs)
1: I'm sorry. I was going to ask Gunnar since he's uh, actually traveling and doing a lot of work this year with you. Do you see uh, social media being a positive or a negative influence with the youth that you are encountering with now? And then you guys can chime in as well. Gunner, do you see it as a positive or a negative influence with the youth that you're encountering this year?
4: Um, I see it as a negative. I definitely concur with Abby's statement.
1: Ooh. Oh, we lost him. Somebody else no. jump in while we're talking. <laughs> while we're waiting for him.
2: Well, um, I was going to say, yeah, the only way I can think that's justifiable, going off of what you were saying, Abby, is if they're saying, well, a bad plus a good <laughs> equals nothing. Um that was really all I could think about. And Gunnar, do you want to finish your answer, or
4: you go ahead? I'll jump in okay. after you. Okay,
2: perfect. Yeah, sorry, we lost you for a second there. Um, okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's kind of crazy that people aren't seeing an effect on their life personally. I mean, there's a whole trend going around where um, people like take off filters and they're showing like, this is what I look like with a filter on. This is what I look like with that one. Um, and I mean, personally, I don't like my picture being taken unless it's going to be an Instagrammable worthy picture, just in case it gets posted anywhere. Um, even if it's not even my own personal account, like, I don't want my picture taken because if someone else posts this and they tag me in it and I have... This is embarrassing, but I have genuinely untagged myself from certain pictures because I don't like it. and I don't think I look good in the picture, Um, even though that's probably how I look 90 percent of the time. um, I just I untagged myself from it. I don't want it showing up on my feed. Um, And so for people and I've seen like I struggle with that. I don't think I'm super addicted to social media. But for students, there's so much drama that goes on because of social media. Down like this affects you one way or another. Um, And classroom students come in all the time. Well, they said this about me here. They like this picture. They weren't supposed to. That's my boyfriend. Whatever. Um, It just that's crazy to me. That seventy what was it seventy something percent of people say it's good or has zero effect. That's I agree with Abby. That's kind of crazy that they would even say that.
4: Yeah. So I'm sorry for the technical difficulty, but I was saying how I agree with Abby and now Sarah Beth's statement. Um, There's a lot of positive on social media, but there's also a lot of negative. Um, And growing up through middle school, always using it in high school and using it in different ways. You have this persona that you should be able to fit into this category, or you need to look like this, or your Instagram feed needs to be this, or you need to make TikToks that look like this. So you'll go viral. And I think that that's had a negative impact on a lot of society and um, Gen Z, and especially myself. Like Sarah Beth said, I am not going to post an Instagram picture if I do not look good in it, and I don't want someone taking a picture of me if I'm, like, in the background, like, slouching down, or (laughs) it's just not a pretty (laughs) picture. And so I definitely think it's had that impact of everything needs to look clean and polished and presentable for anyone that's viewing my social media.
5: I would say
1: yeah, go ahead, Sarah.
5: Well, something that came to mind while y'all were speaking is I think probably the most, what we, we those that said that there is either a positive or no effect might've been fibbing a little bit in my opinion. But um, <laughs> and, and, and I think honestly, the worst part of like the negative impact that it has is that it, has kind of made us made us lose a bit of our humanity over time because how easy is it to just unfollow or block somebody and remove them that way whereas obviously you can't do that in person unless you're watching black mirror or something um and that that's that's what i hate the most about it is just it just comes off so like with, with so much brunt force i guess and i hope we we'll get away from that
0: Well, you know, and just looking at the statistic where it says, I think it was 76% said it's positive or no effect at all. When I first got social media or even a few years ago when I was on it, I think I probably would have fallen into that category where I said, hey, this is a positive thing. And it's not because I was like deceiving myself or anything. I think it's because when you're using it, you feel like this sense of like you're included. You have this sense of like I'm staying connected. And so I think it does give those feelings but when you start to come down to like what it actually is doing uh inside of yourself when it comes down to like emotionally and physically and spiritually uh some of the things it does i think you start to see a little more so i don't think like that statistic is off i think people truly believe that but i think it's a lot because we don't necessarily understand what's all going on especially when we're talking about teenagers and that means you're going down from 13 to 19 like that age group i mean at age 13, I could barely tie my shoes, let alone know what social media was doing. So when we talk about this, I think it's just also we're introducing such a strong and such a, uh, what's the word, um, very powerful tool at such a young age without instructions. I mean, it, it says read the terms and conditions, but no one does that. Everyone clicks. Yes, I'm 13. Yes, I've read terms and conditions. OK, here's it. Here's how you post. Here's how you read. Here's how you like. Go ahead. Have fun. And I think just seeing that is a very scary situation. And I also got to say that I'm probably the most negative social media person here. I probably am the person who dislikes it the most. But I know there's a lot of good, too. So I want to clarify with that is that I, although it's a, it's a scary tool, it's also a very powerful tool that can be used for good.
1: Well, I'm glad you said it kind of bridges to this. I was going to read some of the things that teens believe social media is positive for. So you set it up well, like. Here's some. of them to see you, and I want your guys' uh, reaction to it. It helps them communicate with friends and family. It allows them to meet new people. That could be good or bad. It, it can connect them with people that have the same interest. It allows them to express their emotions and share unique experiences. They can find and get support from communities with similar experiences. Helps them feel less lonely. Gives them greater access to information and news. Helps them learn new things. Helps them more comfortable asking for help. And it's entertaining. Those are just some of the things they feel are positive. Few of you guys react to that. Tell me what you think about that.
0: Well, if you guys don't mind, I'll start right away. I think you know the positive here. It, it, you know, it talks about family. I'm currently living with uh, with some family, and uh, my it's my aunt. She she says she just loves Snapchat because she gets a picture of her son when he's at college and that just means he's alive. Okay. That's all. she. Hey, he's alive. We don't talk, but he's alive and we like that. Um, But when we talk about connections, I I think this gets a little more rougher because what are we really connecting with? And so when we start to talk about like, okay, can you use social media to connect with people for sure, but you're also on a phone that calls people. So why didn't you just call them? Why didn't you talk to them? Heck, even FaceTime. I love FaceTime. It's basically this right here. I get to see your face. We get to interact. We get to hear each other's voice. Um, But when you have, I I met this student uh, in Minnesota a couple years ago, and his screen time on his phone was 19 and a half hours a day. Wow. and, And 18 of those was Snapchat. And I've watched him. He would take a, he'd open a Snapchat, it'd be blank. He'd take a snap of himself doing just like this, and then he'd hit send and he'd go down the list and just kept doing it. He had like over 200 streaks, and that was all he did. And he said it was the greatest thing ever. And I go, dude, you aren't even sleepy. Like, how is this? Why do you
1: think he said it was the greatest
0: thing ever? Why? Why? Well, and you know, when we talk about this, uh, you later said the word lonely, it makes people feel less lonely. And I, I was thinking about that because I use that as a crutch myself. When I was in a, my freshman year, I felt very lonely. And I'd go on social media because it made me feel connected. But what it really did after a while, it just made me feel more lonely because I was mm. sitting there just seeing other people doing things with other people or I'd see people looking their best. And I was just sitting in my own bed and it made me feel so lonely. And it wasn't until I put the phone down and actually talked to people that I got that experience of not being lonely anymore. But I think it does, as I talked about earlier, it gives you these feelings of being connected and it gives you these feelings of not being lonely. Um, I'm pretty sure half the words you said I used earlier to describe how it made me feel at times. Um, But when you really set down like, okay, these may give me these feelings, but they're not true feelings. Because what I'm looking for is true personal connection. And I don't think that's how social media works. I don't think you truly get a true spiritual and true uh, personal connection with others uh, through social media.
3: I same light talking about personal connection and being lonely james when you said something about like them being able to share their experiences and their emotions that uh, triggering is not the word i want to use but it, it's lit something up immediately wait did you see I, I my did, face
1: when i read that
3: Yeah, it's a terrible <laughs> thing i mean terrible again might not be the right word but we're teaching kids that the place to go find help, support, whatever, is online, in which we're really just exposing kids to be exploited. Now, they might not be physically exploited, or like hurt, or something like that. But you're, I mean, we talk about politics with mean tweets we talk about people trolling people and we talk about all these things but then we're also encouraging kids specifically to say be your true authentic self talk about your struggles, do whatever, and but we also have this idea that social media needs to be a polished image, so we have this juxtaposition, and now our kids have no idea what they're actually supposed to do. Are they supposed to be their genuine, authentic selves and, and share their vulnerabilities, but do we also want them to share their vulnerabilities with the whole world? Like, what happens when 13-year-old Abby says, oh my gosh, I just i am so mad at my best friend and blah, blah, blah. blah and she's terrible. And, you know, 13 year olds fight and make up. But oh. now my future employer when I'm 30 is going to see that. Oh. And so I mean, you you just have this whole dynamic and but we, we're we encouraging it. But also like there it, there is a time and there is a place to talk about emotions on social media. And it can provide people with support because they might not be aware of the issue or whatnot but but is that the place that we truly want them to be sharing that story
0: yeah james James, i just gotta say i'm challenging for the next podcast to pick five people who are in support of social media (laughs) because well you know i I, I think i think we got a mix of it so yeah
1: one, (laughs) one more on this side on the positive before we start talking about the negative.
2: I was going to say real quick, um, some positives, though. Um, One thing, connection and, like, communication, I will say I do enjoy it because Abby and I haven't seen each other in person since 2018, but we talk or we Snapchat and we, like, Instagram, whatever, Facebook, every single day. So that has been really nice because I feel like I haven't really skipped a beat with her life or, like, me, and, like, there's some things we've missed, but, like, we've been able to keep in touch for how many years? Four years? Yeah, Um, for a long time. Yeah, still keep our friendship and, like, Um, There's been some good coming out of it in terms of people sharing their thoughts um, on certain issues where there's been um, different like trends, I guess, going around where people are speaking up about vulnerabilities. And um, I know for one, mental health was something that was never really talked about, but because of people sharing it on social media, I know that's a lot more talked about, um, which is really great because a lot of kids struggle with it and they don't know. Um, that it's okay um, to struggle with it. A lot of times, you know, it was tough enough, you're okay, you're going to be totally fine, instead of, hey, like, it's okay to talk about it, people go through things, let's talk about it, let's find some ways to help you. Um, So I think that's been really cool. And to see students be able to have an outlet um, in a controlled way, you know, not always do they express their things um, controlled and nicely in a polished way, but um, it's been nice to be able to see them do things um, with other people like on social media, like support different movements or share their own experiences in a vulnerable way. I'm not saying everyone is super authentic and vulnerable and real on social media, but it's been nice to see um, some students and some other people get genuine approval for the way they're feeling or find ways um, to help mentally or be able to connect with friends who are really far away on the other side of the country. Um, So I would say those are some definite positive things that I agreed with from that list. Um, But -hmm. I do also agree with Abby and Leif on a couple of those points.
5: (laughs) Well, here's some of the negative things. Uh, Go ahead, Sarah, Thomas. Real quick. I would just like to say – In agriculture, I think it's, we all have a connection there, obviously. And I think sometimes we are on the fence a lot of times, but like I'm pretty involved in the dairy industry and I think it's been pretty good for us because we have these like a Facebook group for women in the dairy industry or like for Holstein breeders, different sorts of groups to collaborate and for like dairy farmers that hardly ever get off the farm, um, I think it's been pretty good for them to have that sort of outlet. And there's been, Sarah, both you mentioned mental health. Like there's been some of those initiatives taken in in agriculture and even dairy specifically about um, like the, uh, Jess Peters from uh, Pennsylvania. She um, had this, this thing a while back where she like, you could basically like uh, submit a secret anonymously and she could share those anonymously, of course. And it just kind of put into light, you know, like, we're real people with real struggles, but here it is on social media and kind of brought that, I, I was talking about humanity earlier, kind of brought a little bit back there on, online, which I really liked.
1: So what I'm hearing is, is that the positives are really for what the creators of social media that originally said that they were building. That they were building places for people to connect, for people to share like ideas, for people to find those things and like ideas. However, as we know, it has more become an opportunity for, for, you know, to get people's attention so they can sell it. Because even though these social media apps are free, if you're not paying for a product, then you are the product. So you need to understand that if you're signing up for something that's free, then you are the product that is being sold to someone else. You're being sold to advertisers. So here's some of the negative things, and let's get some feedback on this. Teens Reasons teens mentioned for seeing social media is negative. It's easier to spread hate to a larger audience. Eminity makes people more comfortable with being cruel. People hurt each other because of what they see on social media. It gives false pictures of people's lives. It causes people to neglect real life relationships. I think that's very big, especially coming out of the last two years. It distracts people from important tasks like homework, schoolwork. It causes them to succumb to peer pressure and can lead to psychological issues or drama. Feedback on that. Gunnar, you want to jump off on that one? Uh, I think you were the only one to talk about the last one.
4: Yeah. So I can definitely agree with all of those negatives. However, one thing that I did not hear on the negative that I heard on the positive was that people are finding resources and are learning from social media and being involved in the agriculture industry. I find that very scary um, in some scenarios. And Mm. while it is positive content on social media about things that you can learn and different resources for different things, but um, there's, there's a lot of um, information on social media that is very untrue and unfactual. And I remember just a few short weeks ago, I was at a school facilitating, and we were just talking after class. And I went up to this young man, and we were just talking about TikTok and stuff. And he um, was telling me how chocolate milk comes from brown cows, and he had learned this on TikTok. And is that I true, was Sarah ab- Thomas. No, it's not. Okay,
5: <laughs> I'm waiting for him. To happen. <laughs>
4: So I was very shocked and he had told me that he learned this on TikTok and so that was not it was an opportunity for me to advocate for agriculture but also tell him that how the chocolate milk does not come from brown cows <laughs> and so this was like I've never come into an interaction where I've talked to someone where they believe something that they've seen such as that and it's not just agriculture um, it's politics it's um, facts about different things in our world and so I think that that's a uh, negative that wasn't on that list that I feel like should be is that people are getting a lot of their information and misconceptions from social media
1: I agree that's great that's great input anyone else on the negatives
2: (laughs) I was gonna say I think we need to bring back the statement you can't believe everything you see on the internet but where do you go to look up anything the internet um but yeah I had two personal I had two personal stories that actually related to two of those points one um I was substituting in a middle school a few I guess it was a month ago or so they the administrator came in in the middle of the class i was super confused why administration was coming into all the classes i was substituting for i was like am i really doing that bad a job uh what but they had in the seventh grade they had at least one they had one to two fights every single day for two weeks because of stuff that happened on social media at home like the kids were coming in from like home conversations they had, things that were posted on different social media outlets, and they were physically fighting about what, like, had gone on on social media. And so they had to come in and, you know, handle that. But I thought that was crazy. That's, what, two weeks, uh, one to two fights a day? That's 28 fights that could have been prevented had social media, like, not been used for harassment, bullying, you know, sharing things that aren't true about people, rumors, all that. And then the other one, I have two friends – Um, who actually they got into a personal fight relationship wise, um, in person, they were both super mad at each other. They, whatever, they were so mad, but they still had a Snapchat streak and they still liked each other's Instagram pictures. And so they were both mad, but they never talked about it because that was still going on and the first time seven to eight months later that they even said that they were mad at each other was because the snapchat streak was broken that was what wow. started the conversation yeah seven to eight months months later they were like why did you break the snapchat streak i feel like you've changed da, 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 da. and it stemmed back all the way to like october was when the issue started and they didn't they faked it they thought everything was okay because they still liked each other's instagrams they saw had a snapchat streak um, so those negatives, I mean, they're real, like real life stuff.
5: I'd like to add to one of those other negatives we might've missed. Oh, it's just gender. Um, and again, like I think we talk about it affecting women more so than, than men, even though that, that definitely does happen.
1: Well, I mean, to Sarah, to your point, just to, to, to affirm what you're saying. Yeah. Facebook last fall in their study about how Instagram admittedly showed data that said it was negatively affecting young girls more than it was affecting young men.
5: Oh, okay. Good to know. Not good, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Like you get on, I mean, you're in college, you get on and you see you, really pretty girls uh they look perfect in a bathing suit they're on a beach somewhere and if you're like me you're in back in your college town and you're working so you can feed your cats and sort of thing. it's really hard not to compare um and yes comparison is the, is the thief of joy but that's very hard to remember <laughs>
2: That and people getting engaged. I don't know. I guess, I don't know. Maybe if I just hit this age where everyone's getting engaged and there are people legitimately mad because they've seen their whole Instagram, Facebook feed is full of people getting engaged and they're (laughs) considering like breaking up with people because they're like, I'm not engaged. This sucks. My whole life sucks. And it's like, oh, okay. listen, (laughs) listen,
1: Listen to what a recent guest, the guest that we had, Chris Martin, who is the author of the book Terms of Service, said that how social media shapes us. One of the things he said is social media causes us to believe that attention assigns value. That the more attention that you get on social media value. What do you
3: guys think about that? I think that that encompasses a very large mentality of all of our society. And in the last con- question conversation we just had, like I think you can boil that in this statement all down to like, perceived self-image and I know we talk about it and like have a curriculum on it and ZYC but I see it more and more I did a project um my junior and senior year of undergrad about how photography impact self-image and what I can do as a photographer to make people feel valued in front of the camera so that they're more comfortable and whatever. And what it turned out to be was a very deep self-reflection on self-image and how social media has impacted self-image. Like you said, Sarah, like comparison is the thief of joy, but it is so easy to compare when not only are they sitting side by side, but that you're sitting in front of it and people are so so engulfed in what they physically look like what their life looks like are they are they polished what's going on with me and but not only what's going on with me but how do people perceive what is going on with me and that that's so much more important than what's actually going on with me and so I just think that social media as a whole has kind of perpetuated that and as we continue on, I think that it's, it's impacting. I, I spent a lot of time looking at the meta case with um, Facebook and or Facebook meta and um, the teenage girls and how it's impacting them. And because it is, it's changing how we teach in school, how we, how people parent their kids, how, how we interact as a society. I mean, I remember what I was like at 13. At least I like to think I remember what I was like at 13. That was a decade ago. And I like looked like a kid. At least I was wearing mismatched clothes or business professional because I had no in between. And I was, (laughs) I was showing sheep and I begged my parents. I wrote a business proposal to my parents to try to get an iPhone, <laughs> and it did not work. <laughs> but, and I know that I am far from a normal child. But I also... No, that's like, not
1: I, normal. I'm just going to tell you there. That's <laughs> not...
3: Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's cool. I was say it's cool. <laughs> I really tried. But, like, I look at my 14-year-old little sister now, and I'm just like... like she's not on social media. But to see that she's living like I lived a decade ago and she almost seems as if she's like out of it because so many other people have told her this is how society is this is what you have to do you have to be doing x y and z to be considered popular this is how we determine friends and all these other things And while she is highly successful she's literally one of the most intelligent humans I've ever met and she has very authentic relationships she is not deemed popular in any stretch of the means. And she on the surface from the outside looking in would not be someone that you're like, oh yeah, she knows what's up. And I can promise you that girl knows what's up. But it's just such a change in societal values and how how you are perceived in in self-image and how terrible people's self-image truly is in today's day and age.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I, oh, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead go. Yeah. Well, and I just wanted to hit on what Abby and Sarah talked about. You know, we talk a lot about the focus on the female gender and how this social media has affected them. And I think that's something that we've been doing a really good job of highlighting and I think needs to continue. But uh, I also want to bring to light something that we don't really talk about is how it affects the male gender. And so like, as a guy, I understand how guys work and the temptations that come from that. And so when you go on to social media, when you go on Instagram and there's body, I'll just be very blunt, when there's body parts that are hanging out that should not be hanging out, like that is such a bad thing going on. And it just leads young men into the wrong things. And so at the age of 13, you start like looking at these things, seeing things. It's, it's just not uh, what should be happening. It's not something that should be going on like, I don't know. When there was a nudist at the county fair when I was 13, my mom was like, other way, let's go, Leif, other way. And now we just freely put that out there on social media. And we just what allow fairs kids- do y'all
1: have up in Minnesota? <laughs> I just want to. Just... Actually, no, no. After that comment, just ask that question. What is going on in the
0: Great White North up there? Yeah, I just think we <laughs> hey, you know, are
1: some weird people up
0: there. <laughs> like, there's some, but that's everywhere, and and honestly, today now it is everywhere. We just openly let this go out, and we let our kids of age thirteen, which. 10 years ago, five, heck, even like seven years ago, this stuff would have never flown. But today, because it is today, it does fly. And so we just openly let our youth uh, into it and see it. And I just think it's really bad. And we talk about these relationships. And I think a lot of youth are trying to use these relationships online to uh, soothe their relation, an aching relationship that they want uh, uh, with their creator, with Jesus, with their family. Um, I mean, that those are the people who want it. Like Jesus wants a relationship with you. Your family wants a relationship with you. Your friends want these relationships with you. Uh, and you're trying to, you want them back, right? And we want them back. And you just may not realize it. So you try to go on social media to try to sue that. I think those are two of the biggest issues that we don't hit on. And I, I, like, I don't want to diminish. I think uh, female mental health is something we need to continue focus on. But I think there's so much that we need to be focusing on when it comes to social media, not just, okay, let's see what the next most popular thing is. What are we going to give the most attention to? Because let's be real people. It's the things we give the most attention to on social media aren't the positive things. It's always the negative. Well, let's let's shift our focus in this conversation to what are some solutions
1: or what are some practical ways that we can implement some positive things to make it positive. And and the way I want to do this is I want to uh, share with you what some of our previous guests from over the last three weeks have said. Theo Davis, who is a digital uh, and youth pastor of the church in St. Louis, uh, talked about some principles for establishing uh, guidance when youth are are, are working with social media. And one of the things that he did is uh, be a good human when you're on social media, who you f- understand that? Who you follow, you're going to imitate, and then pick what you're going to be about and be intentional about it. Be intentional about it. That is a different concept that that I think most people are are, are even thinking about. Uh, there's a there is a. Um, Organization where I read one of their uh, comments about social media, and they talk about how the fact that we would never give the keys to a car to a teenager without first teaching them how to drive. Yet we do give them a smartphone and access to social media without teaching them how to use it. So based on those principles that Theo Davis said, be a good human, uh, make sure you understand that you're going to uh, who you follow, you're going to imitate and be intentional. What do you guys think about that? What are your thoughts about that? And then I'll go over to the other two uh, guests as well because it's some really good stuff. So.
3: I think the word intentional resonates with me a lot. When we're talking about – like I, I go back to my sister. If if I'm going to hand her social media, I know good and well that my parents are going to sit down and, and teach her about social media, what their expectations are, what they – how social media can impact your life the severity and intensity of social media and and that it's forever and so this it, and i know that that is probably not the norm in most households i know 9 year olds that have social media and they just post random things and i also think that even though we have an opportunity potentially to teach kids about how to use social media, how to be safe, how to be effective with it, and to use those guidelines of being a good human and pick what you're about and, and uh, who you follow, you're gonna imitate. Our parents' generation does not do a great job of following those rules. And at the end of the day, we can preach and preach and preach and tell these kids, this is how you need to use social media. This is Teach them the ways of the world but if we're not setting a good example ourselves, you learn a heck of a lot more by doing than you and by seeing and being immersed into it than you ever do from a piece of paper. And and I think that we can all kind of agree with that. And so if our parents are the ones that are random posting, not being intentional about who they are, who they follow, or you know, giving the snide comment or, you know, doing all of these little things that, you know, in the grand scheme of life, not a big deal, annoying, but not a big deal. We're not teaching our kids or the Gen, Gen Z generation how to be an effective, intentional human on social media.
2: Yeah. I mean, and Sarah touched on a little bit earlier. The one that resonated with me was being a good human um, on it. And she Uh, touched on the fact that we've lost a lot of like the sense of humanity and being a real person because of the filters because of the highlight reels of your life Um, and I was talking um, sorry there's like a fly in here Um, (laughs) I was talking um, with a teacher actually today and she teaches at a private school um, in Raleigh and what she was telling me is that the students that come into the school are so blinded by everything that they see on social media that they don't know how to interact with others. And, um, you know, recent world events have not helped with that at all because social media was the one and only way to communicate with people because uh, they were stuck in their houses. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to learn. They don't know how to interact with others. And so something that they really focus on is social emotional learning, um, which is something that I think we all need to be more cognizant of is not only living out, like being authentic in real life, being intentional, being a good human, but also teaching others like, hey, this is how we interact with people. This is how we're responsible. This is how we genuinely care about other people's emotions, not their likes and their comments. Um, Because I feel like a lot of that has been lost. Um, And so as a teacher, that's something I took to heart today in our conversation is how am I going to prepare my students to interact with each other? How am I going to prepare them with this social emotional learning um, tool so that they can be successful in life because as things come and go. And I like to think social media like it was on the rise and then it fell for a little bit with the cleanses and like it's starting to fall again um, in certain areas. But then, you know, next day there's something else that's viral. So it's going in waves. So when it goes again, I mean how are people going to communicate? And so um, something that I'm going to be doing is having students put their phones in a little cup thing at the front of the classroom. I've seen so many teachers do it at the school I'm going to be working at um, where they have their phones put up in the front. So there's none of that. There's no distractions. You cannot go get it for any sort of reason. And I mean, if there's an emergency, I mean, there are obviously some... Um, exceptions, but they put them out there so the students have to talk to each other. They can't be on their phone. Um, and if it's not there, they lose points for the day. They lose certain amounts on test grades because they need to be real in life and learn how to interact with others. So that's something I think
5: you know would help. <laughs> I have I like that. and Sarah Beth made me think of something that one of my college professors at Virginia Tech would always tell us, um, you know like you're, you're paying to be here. Paying and I was paying that tuition, thank God for scholarships. But anyway, he told us, he told me one thing one day, and I always remember it was that some there was a study that showed that you, you, you check your phone, it takes your brain 30 minutes to get back that kind of focus you had before you checked your phone. Wow, really? Hmm. Apparently. Wow. Um, and I mean, I believe it I'm because. Sorry, what did
1: you say? I was looking at my phone. What, what did you say?
5: <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I get you. Um, And you were talking about intentionality earlier. And and one of those physical ways we can do that is there are ways you can set time limits on your phone. um, And that's something I've had to do. Otherwise I'll sit there and it'll be four o'clock in the morning and here you are on TikTok. Um, And something else that I just really has bugged me is that we are forgetting that these influencers on TikTok don't really do much of anything. They got famous probably because their parents had a lot of money and gave them a, a team and all that good stuff. And I think it sets a not-so-great example for for young people because they kind of give them that thought. They're like, oh, hey, I can do the same thing. And, yeah, maybe like one in a million, sure, but um, there is more to life. And I, I think we lose touch of that sometimes.
1: So what does it mean by intentionality? What – what... Here's what I think it means is that if you're going to go on an app, have a purpose for being on that app. Have have a goal for what you're going with that app. I, I'm intentionally deciding to go on TikTok because I want to see these type of things or I want to share these type of things. What I think it's trying to pre- uh, prevent is... People just going on to an app because it's the vogue thing to do. It's the end thing to do and then getting lost in that world. All right, let me go to the second guy. Second guy uh, discussed, he actually had a different approach. He did something like, life, except for he even went more severe, where life, you know, has has, uh, kind of gotten off of it for a year. This guy has limited everything for, like, the past three years. He just went off of everything. He only keeps a LinkedIn page just because he is a writer and a blogger, and that is how he gets people to sign up for his newsletter. Is is there, and for the con- connection. And if you know anything about LinkedIn, it's more a more professional driven than than some of the others anyway with it. So he completely got off of it. And he encouraged he knows that's not for everybody, but he was encouraging too that we look at it that we need some accountability if we're going to be on social media. whether that's accountability to adults or parents or peers, or if it's accountability to a, a, a value standard or an ideal that you say I am not going th- this is this is the line for me. Because otherwise, if we're going on there and we don't have that line, we're going to get lost. What do you guys – somebody, somebody hasn't spoken in the, on the last topic. What do you guys think about that?
0: Well, James, I'll say that the only reason why I haven't been on a three-year cleanse is because three years hasn't happened. So we're, we're coming for him. <laughs> I'll be together these days once I can delete Facebook, but that won't be for a while. But uh, I think a lot of this – you talk about accountability – I think a lot of that comes back to parent child accountability. Um, I, I think it's funny that we're talking about like the children when we are the children, we're the people <laughs> that we're talking about. Uh, and so, like, I really think that, you know, what my parents didn't do, and it's not even their fault. Like, the reason why my parents didn't hold me accountable on social media is because they came from a generation where they didn't really have social media. They were on Facebook, they never were on Instagram, they weren't on Snapchat. They are now because my little sisters got them on it. That's the only reason. But when I was growing up, they didn't have that stuff. So how would they even know what I was doing? And so as I start to grow older, get into not the children of today, but into the adults of tomorrow, um, I know that's something I want to do for my own children is like have those accountability things. I think it starts up with that. uh, If you can't rely on your parents to keep you accountable, you can't rely on many other people. And so I think that's something that's really big. I think schools can play a role. I think church should play a role, but really that's not going to be the same as if your parents are right there doing it for you. I also think, uh, you know, not that everyone needs to delete their social media, but just try to delete it for one day. And if you can't do that, then you're probably addicted to it. And if you won't even listen to me for trying to do it for 24 hours, you're probably addicted to it so i I think that's just something is like we we have this uh thing where people are addicted and they don't realize it and so uh the last thing they want to do is get someone who's going to tell them don't do it this way don't do it this much and so uh you know i think that's part of the issue of why we don't have as much accountability is because part of social media is it's such an independent thing in the first place Mm
4: I definitely agree with the accountability aspect. Um, I've always had social media and I've always had a form of technology, but there's always been restrictions on it. Um, and like Abby had mentioned earlier, I was too the kid that had to plug their phone in the kitchen at night um, because I would be on TikTok or Vine or whatever it was at that time. Um, Throughout my teenage years, I would be up on it all night and I had either school the next day or I had football in the morning and so that was another aspect is having that accountability and being able to tackle the next day because social media um, absorbs your life
1: yeah hey uh, but the, um, the rela- before you say so, so Beth, i always say what responded to abby where she talks about uh, parents you know not uh teaching children stuff. I think if we use an analogy of of the driver's ed of us, you know, not giving the keys to the car until we taught somebody. Think about the first parents when cars came out. They didn't know how to do it themselves, (laughs) much less able to teach their children how to drive. So I'm not by any means justifying parents' admonition of their duties of teaching. But what I am saying is, is that, we're learning at the same rate. In some ways, we are. My generation, Generation X, and the older Millennials are a little bit behind. Disease, you know, the younger Millennials and Generation Z, we're a little bit behind because you're grasping it quicker, and we're trying to catch up. And and you know, a lot of the parents and and adults and stuff, they're getting their ideas of how to teach this not from their experience but from what they've read or a seminar they've gone to or, or, you know, something that has been taught to them where your parents taught you how to drive based on their what? Their own experience. Their own experience. Mm -hmm. We don't have it. You guys got more. So it's a, it's a big learning curve. What I am excited about and what the last guest that I had said is that he is looking forward to the next generation, his children, he's 30 years old, his children, because his children, Generation Alpha, which are like ten year olds and under, they're going to be the first generation whose parents understand this more and understand the ins and out of it. Because we're talking about millennials, maybe even some, you know, upper Z's. Let's see if they're ten. Yeah, yeah upper Z's, somewhere around it. You know, yeah, they, they they could have those children in there too. So that's going to be. That's going to be a totally different thing. Of course, mm-hmm. then we're going to have a whole new world because then we're going to be in the virtual world, which is a whole other podcast. So mm-hmm. you <laughs> say something on this.
2: Yeah, I did. Um, just for, you know, people, not everyone has parents who genuinely care about, I mean, that that's awful to say, but not everyone has parents who genuinely care um, about what their kids are doing. Um, and so for, I would definitely say another huge aspect in addition to how we're teaching um, whether that's as a teacher, you know, member of the church, you know, a parent, um, I think a lot of it at the end of the day, you have to care enough and respect yourself enough to have the res- accountability for yourself and draw out lines um for yourself personally be like i'm not going to cross this line um this is too much for me or um this is this boundary for me because at the end of the day if you don't care enough about yourself and respect yourself enough um it doesn't matter what anyone else is teaching you um you're not going to listen to it anyways so that was my kind of input is i think accountability goes further than just how you're learning and how people are teaching you it takes personal accountability as well. And so for people whose parents don't necessarily care, they don't have someone to teach them. Maybe their parents are a lot older and they aren't on social media at all, or, um, they don't even know it exists if they're at that age and, you know, they haven't lived the past 10 years. Um, but like, you know, like they just I, have been in their house all 10 years. Um, but you know, like for, I think at the end of the day, it does come down to a certain level of personal responsibility. Um, uh, Saying, "Hey, this is this is where I draw the
3: line," especially so- for that upper level of Z's. And James, real quick, I taught an ethics class for the last year, and the first assignment I had all the students do was all online. So we kind of lived in this virtual space. The kids never met each other, but they had to write a personal code of ethics. They had to talk about where the ethic, their code of ethics, came from, what lines they wouldn't cross, and they had to dictate it. And it had to be dictated very clearly, like I believe X because of Y. And I would write them that sentence and let them fill in the blank and explain. And they had to do it again at the end of the class. And then after that, when they redid it at the end of the class, after I taught my class on ethics, they had to reflect on what they learned and why ethics are important. And so many of them said that they had never sat down and said, these are my lines. This is Mm -hmm. what I believe. And they never had, so I can infer that they've never had that sense of self-responsibility and self-accountability because they've never sat down and and written it out. And we talk about in ZUIC, in the self-image curriculum, talking about, okay, what I consume I will become when it comes to podcasts, when it comes to information, when it comes to like, what am I doing to make myself the best version of myself? Well, if you're just aimlessly scrolling and you are not holding yourself accountable and you haven't talked about like and defined what are your ethics and what are your values and, w- and where do you get those? You really are just going to become lost in the sauce and you're going to just become whatever the world lets you become and you lose all sense of accountability.
1: All right. Tied into a bow as we start to close out, I want to put you all on the spot and a very brief, very succinct parting piece of advice that you're going to give to the hundreds of thousands of people who view and listen to this all over the world about social media. Who wants to start with their one piece of succinct brief
0: advice? I can start. Uh, I said earlier, but try 24 hours. If you're not willing to do that, you just share love on social media. Love is patient, it's kind, it only it rejoices in the good bearings. Uh, it does not rejoice in the wrongdoing. So uh, just remember that if you're gonna share, if you're gonna be on social media, share love.
3: Hard
5: to Retweet i'm but, kidding <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty hard to follow but yes retweet um i would say because there's not a lot of transparency out there um they as if whoever sees anything they don't know you you really don't know them and there's not much you can do about that over a screen and it's okay
2: yeah Um, I was going to say something very similar. Um, There is so much life outside of this little box that costs way more money than it should. Um, There's so much more life outside of it. So, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really quite matter um, what filters you use or don't use what your page looks like. Um, If you like aren't being real on social media, if you're following accounts that make you think poorly of yourself and of others, um, maybe try life's idea, you know, delete it. Um, figure out uh, what your intentionality is behind things, because there's so much more life outside of it.
4: I would have to say that my piece of advice is to be intentional with your influence on social media and everything that you do.
3: And to prop a pretty little bow on all of that, social media is fun, and it can be and it can help us stay connected. And I am not gonna lie, I love being on social media and working on social media, but I also like Sarah Beth said, make sure you're living life outside of the little box. Make sure you understand who you are as a human, and then portray that accurately and authentically on social media.
1: Thank you guys for for being willing to join us on this roundtable today. Uh, I think this has really been a good conclusion to our series. I really love this. Listen, audience, thank you for being with us as well and staying with us at the end. Someone you know needs to hear this episode. Hey, this may be the episode that you can show in your classroom, can show in your small group at church, can show in some area or or send it over to friends to listen to, you know, through your Apple Podcasts or something or iHeart, whatever the app that you use and can generate some discussions and some insight into How you guys can effectively navigate this world of social media. But someone you know needs to listen to. So please like, share, and comment on this episode. And we'll see you again soon on the Gen Z Show. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us, too, on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.